Hey there, welcome to Thriving with Technology, the science-led podcast that's here to help you achieve mindful living in a digital world. And I'm your host, I'm August Bryce from techwellness.com. This show is designed to give you a practical approach on how to navigate the important tech toxins in our world. We have real-life stories, experiences, and non-fear-based facts about cybersecurity and EMFs, your online privacy, internet overuse, what leads to addiction, blue light, oh, and so much more. So thank you. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. So Tony, I've been following you for, wait, for what, four years now? Is that how long you've been doing the podcast? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you've been on my podcast a few times, and I've been following you as well. You you are my go-to for anything EMF-related. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, I cover the whole topic of being well with technology, and I know that's where we intersect because you've written the book, Stop Scrolling, and I want to talk about that today. But I also want to tap in to the wealth of information that you have from interviewing so many fabulous people on your podcast, Zestology, which I've always loved that name, the podcast for vitality, energy, and motivation. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Okay. So should we just jump in and start with the new book, Stop Scrolling? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to start talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've written six books now. And I have my first three published traditionally through a publisher, Roundup House, so the biggest publisher mm-hmm. in the UK. And then the next three I've published indie, so independently. And it's just been an absolute re- revelation. And I published them myself. And I've got a small publishing company. And what's really interesting about Stop Scrolling is I wasn't sure if it was a topic that would grab the imagination. Mm-hmm. And I think that is because... A lot of us realize that we've got a problem with scrolling, but none of us are that motivated to stop doing it. It's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, there's all sorts of problems that scrolling brings up, but often we we don't want to change our habits around our devices. And actually, it's been pretty amazing. It's What's really weird is I keep getting these bulk orders for the book. So someone will come in and place 100 copies. um, I sell a whole load of copies at once and they go off somewhere and it's quite exciting when it happens. The title alone is motivating, don't you think? Stop scrolling. So tell me the number one takeaway in the book. Well, it's all about dealing with your phone and how distracting it is without throwing your phone away. (laughs) Okay, so we're not saying that you need to, and and I know that's your message as well, but Mm -hmm. really what it's about is about small measured behavior changes. So we go over 30 days and we're just doing a certain amount per day where you're sort of leaving your phone out of the bedroom you're looking at your phone for a less amount of time per day and you know i make the point in the book that all the best things in the world do not involve screens (laughs) and if you think now you know there's it's quite easy to think about the best things in the world and therefore we want to create a little bit more offline time and in fact all of this is borne out by science i heard andrew huberman talking a few days ago about how you know not only do we need time to context switch between one thing and another. But if you are, for example, preparing to do some creative work or record a podcast or even cook a meal, you need time from looking at your phone and sort of frenzied scrolling to going to that next activity. If you want to perform at your best, you actually need between two and 10 minutes just to do nothing. Don't involve screen, but we need to get our brain into the right place. That's so good. And I do want to ask you another question. I know that we in one of our first podcasts we talked about keeping the phone out of the bedroom mm-hmm. and recently again i posted something that i posted years ago the the same thing about hey make sure that your bedroom's a sleep sanctuary no phone in the bedroom and someone commented and said yes there's this research that i've shared with my teenagers she said in the in her comment that says that even when your phone is off it can still disturb your sleep. And I said, oh, are you referring to the Adrian Ward research from University of Texas that was that whole cognition study where even with the phone off and turned over, if it's right by where your workspace is, so much of your cognition is given to the phone instead of to the task. So it's called brain drain. 
and you probably mentioned that in your book, but have you heard about the study that talks about the phone, even though it's off and in another room, still affecting your brain during sleep? I haven't. And I'm absolutely astonished by that. Is it because there are still some EMFs coming in or there's still some sort of signal coming in? No, I actually don't think the research exists. That's why I wanted to ask you, because I know that that you've really studied this topic. And But it's interesting, right, how, you know, I said, please go back and read my blog about this research and about sleep and tell me, is this what it is? And she said, no, I, I heard it on a different podcast. I'll be sharing it with you, but I haven't seen it yet. And that's been about a week now. So anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. So you haven't heard of that research either. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I prioritize in the book is quoting as much research as possible, because I do think that's really important. And research can be used selectively, and not everything can be proven by research. But I was amazed at how many studies proved that, guess what, if you check your email on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and watch a season of your favorite show on Netflix just before bed, you're not going to sleep so well. And the science proves it. (laughs) Exactly. And I know also that you are a big proponent of blue light and using it properly. And just like me, I feel the same way about that and wearing blue blocking glasses. And I know I've seen you've partnered with a couple of different manufacturers. And I just heard your podcast now on blue light. And honestly, I believe that we also need to block blue light in stages. And I know that you, you've you seen my blue light blocking glasses. You know, they wrap all around. That's my, mm. because I'm worried about the blue light getting in from all sources, right? It can come from up and the sides. And you just wear the ones in the front. Do you have any research about that? I use different manufacturers for different glasses. And I there are some that are just bigger, aren't there? And some that aren't totally wrap around. One of the things that I think is really interesting is that I read a bit of research to suggest that it's not just about blocking blue light at night, but it's mm-hmm. the intensity of the light as well. Oh, so sure. if you're wearing blue light blocking glasses and they're really totally blocking out all the light, but it's still very bright, that's not ideal. But I certainly, it's not just blue light blocking glasses that I use. I've got an alarm clock with a red light filter that I use in my room. I've got lights in the kitchen. Well, actually, we're traveling. We can talk about that later, but we're traveling at the moment. But my kitchen at home had some spots with just theater-grade red light gels on them, so separate lighting in the evenings. A flashlight, if you need it to go to the loo with a red filter. I bought a couple now, which are pretty cool. And even to the extent when we read my son a bedtime story now, we've got just a really lovely red lamp that we use to read the story, which makes it a little bit harder to see the pictures in his book, but means that his (laughs) melatonin levels are on point as he winds down for sleep as well. That's so great. And do you know the difference between the orange light and the red light? Because from what I've seen, it's so slight as far as how it affects our physiology. And I'm just so much more comfortable when I put the orange lights in, when I trade them out, because I have orange light bulbs in my kitchen, just like you do, but instead of red, they're orange. Can you give us a little information on that difference, how important it is? Well, the thinking between the different levels of of blue light blocking glasses is to reflect what's going on with our circadian rhythm and what's going on ancestrally, isn't it? You know, I mean, at this time of day that we're recording the podcast now, which is sort of late afternoon for me, You'd be starting wind down and the sun's getting a bit lower and you might want to wear 50% blue light blocking glasses if you're looking at a screen or something like that. And once it gets to dusk, you know, our ancestors, boring as they are, unless there was some sort of big celebration, probably be ready to go to bed. But not us because we're sitting down to watch the TV. Yeah, I guess it's sort of the last night or two, then you want to totally replicate the campfire and nothing else. But early evening then you might be using 50% or 80% blue light blocking glasses as well. But ultimately, it comes down to what's comfortable as well, doesn't it? You know, I mean, you have to use what works for you. I just don't feel good in red light. I feel good in the orange light. So, but I know there's a slight difference. And so I was just wondering if you had more research about the difference between the red and the orange. I don't, no. Okay. But I think that's really fascinating. And I just on feeling good, you know, I mean, one of the things that I think is, very important is acceptance. And that is one of the things I, you know, my background is neuro-linguistic programming and I work a lot with people on mindset and health and how the two intertwine. 
And it's so important to take a moment to let your parasympathetic nervous system kick in and allow fight or flight to dampen down a little bit and just accept. And unfortunately, when it comes to blue light blocking, that can be very hard because sometimes in the middle of the night, you need to, I don't know, go and get a drink of water from the kitchen. Then you open the fridge and, oh, it's just so bright. Or, or there's just a blue light that comes on. The other day I put an air purifier on in the middle of the night and the display oh, was no. so bright and I was so disappointed. <laughs> and at that point, acceptance is quite important because you're not going to get it right all the time with blue light just because that's the way our world is set up. And trying not to stress too much, I think in our world, because my audience is, you know, people are really healthy already. And same with you, you know, mm-hmm. I think your audience is educated around tech and health, but just letting go is something that we often forget to do. Well, that's, and you know what? That's why I don't really like fitness trackers because mm. you obsess on it, right? You obsess on heart rate and you wake up in the morning and your aura ring tells you that you didn't get a good sleep and you thought you got an amazing sleep. So I know you love the aura ring and I did listen to the podcast or just when you came out and said, hey, this new aura ring is really bothering me with all these bright lights. Yeah. And so when I lost my other aura ring, which was I think the second version, which I loved, I love that aura ring, did a story about it, showed the EMF, showed how to game it, you know, so that you can watch your app in the morning, but not have to be exposed to the EMF, you know, download it and look at it. But anyway, mm. so what do you have now and how's it working? Well. Yes, so the latest generation Ura Ring, the old Ura Ring, and the new one you can put into airplane mode, which is great. And there's mm-hmm. no other wearable that you can totally put into airplane mode. And by the way, August, because you and I think about these things a lot, I know you'll enjoy hearing that I in- engaged with the Whoop founder, I think, the Whoop band. Yes. And they claim that can be put in airplane mode, but it can be Didn't switched work. out of airplane mode through the app. So it's not a proper airplane mode. No, it's just, well, that's the same thing with the Aura Ring, right? Tell me. You can put it into airplane mode on the app. Yes. But to take it out of the airplane mode, you have to put it on the charger. Right, exactly. So what you're saying, what's different with the Whoop? Because I know you were talking about it for a while. Oh, yeah. No, the Whoop, you can just put it in and take it out with the app, which means it's not in a proper airplane mode. Right, exactly. That's right. Yeah. Because it yeah. has to have something there yeah. to connect. And you have your meter. Did you check it out with the meter? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, with the Whoop, <laughs> I didn't even bother buying it. But the Aura is fine. So. Yeah. So what but about anyway, the lights in the Aura, though? very disappointing with the Aura. You get quite a bright green light and quite a bright red light. And it's just... The thing is, this is the most red blog on my site, this Aura blog. <laughs> I get so much traffic to this blog because it's obviously bothering so many people. But in the middle of the night, you've tried to do everything right. You've worn your blue light blockers. You've put your blue light blocked lights on late at night. You've gone to bed on time and you're just about to go to sleep. And there's a very bright light right in your eye. And it is bright. And the Aura does the exact opposite of what we're trying to do, which is get better sleep and look after ourselves. And I had someone message me only the other day saying that he feels that it's not just the light that's going through the eyes, but the photoreceptors in the skin that is means that his sleep is being affected by these green lights in the Aura Ring. So they haven't managed to patch it. They haven't managed to sort it out. I hope that the next generation will be better. I'm still wearing it. I put it, I tend to sleep on one side more than the other. So I put it on the hand that isn't closer to my head. But honestly, I'm very frustrated by it. Have you reached out to them? Yeah, I did. Yeah, multiple times. I think they've become a bit of a pest for asking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I will too. And I'll let them know that what you said has prevented me from buying and replacing the one that I lost. Because I agree, Mm. I'm not going to go to bed with some bright lights flashing in my eyes. I mean, yeah. even subconsciously, like we were saying, what you said before, you know, you have to get into parasympathetic. That would just rile me up just knowing that these lights might, my hand might come right by my face and wake me up. So anyway. It's tell one me. of those things you sort of know that when they bring out the next Ura Ring, they will have mm-hmm. sorted it out. And they probably mm-hmm. didn't even think about us annoying health educators who really try and cut out the lights at night before they brought out this version but they just got it wrong and there's you know it it will put off a certain section of people but i also think 
that they'll probably sort it out for the next ring whenever they bring that out. You know what? My wraparounds here, so, you know, these are what, these are very affordable. These are only $15. And that's why, why yeah. I have them on the website because they make it. But I have fallen asleep with these on. Do you ever fall asleep with your glasses on? I sleep on my sort of front or my side. So they'd be sort of jutting into my eye. But I also think there's a lot to be said for having glasses that are not too expensive. Then you don't worry if you crack them or you fall asleep with them and they bend a little bit. Right, exactly. Or that they're all over the house for anybody who happens to be over here. Put these on. It's late. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Right? We're all going to watch TV. Okay, put these on. Anyway, so yeah, I'm a huge proponent like you of the blue light blocking glasses. You know, you are in my circadian rhythm reset course. Your meditation, which is amazing. It's so beautiful. Great. is comes yeah. with our course. And I appreciate that so much that you shared that with us. But have you gone through the course? Did you ever look at it to see the sleep game? Yeah, you said it's been a while back, but it's been a long time. So I can't really okay. remember it. Yeah. I think it's the coolest thing. So this Peretz Levy started studying sleep, started 40 years ago. He's an amazing researcher. And he discovered something that he calls the sleep gate. And the sleep gate is the natural time that your body wants to go to sleep to get the right amount of sleep for your body and wake up mm. naturally without an alarm clock. And he did these very intense studies to find this out where people had to stay awake and go to sleep within 15 minute periods, 24 hours a day to discover it. So it's he did this amazing research. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, you know, I've got all of the exact same things because what had happened when I did the circadian reset that was actually based on research for Russian Olympians. Okay, that's how mm. I found this. And anyway, so I started doing it and then I tweaked it a little because they really didn't talk about blue light back then when they did the all of these specific things to try to figure out how we can get our athletes to, you know, just to the optimal physical level and mental as well. And so they had all of these specific things to do. And then I found that I got super, super tired and I could hardly stay awake at this certain mm -hmm. time. And it kept happening every single night. So I reached out to him and I said, is this a sleep gate? And he said, yes, that would seem that it is. And if you're able to find this, wow, great, go for it. So anyway, wow, that's, yeah, but it's a specific, like your stop scrolling, there are specific things to do every day. So I was just wondering, because you talk so much about circadian rhythm, if you'd heard anything else about the sleep gate. I haven't. And I think that's fantastic. And, you know, I mean, certainly I've sort of worked on, it frustrates me that my optimal time of going to bed is so early. And you will know this from parenting, but somehow with small kids, they're always awake between 6.30 and 7 anyway, and therefore I am right. too. It doesn't matter now doesn't whether I go to bed at 9 in the evening or 2 in the morning, I'll still be awake at 6.30. <laughs> so you don't know if that's your sleep gate or if that's your sweet little angel waking you up, right? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, the O-ring, we've sort of slagged off the O-ring there, but it is actually very helpful for all sorts of things not just sleep monitoring but i find it very helpful for heart rate variability and you know we talked about sleep routine a bit and winding down at bedtime and it's not just about red light and blue light blocking but for me what i do in the two or three hours before bed has a huge impact on what my heart rate is overnight and what my heart rate variability is and how well i sleep so on a night that i might sit quietly maybe watch something with my wife, maybe not, go to bed fairly early and read for a while before turning out the light. I'm just in a much better place. And my sleep is so much better than if I'm working on my laptop until quite late. Even if I am wearing blue blockers, there's something about the stimulation levels and how hard I'm having to focus that makes a huge difference to what happens then for the next eight hours. That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that. That makes sense, doesn't it? So you're saying yeah. no stimulating apps or just off the phone completely? Yep. I mean, that goes back to leaving the phone out of the bedroom. And it, you know, it doesn't take that much prep. If you need an alarm clock, buy an alarm clock. If you need a torch, buy a torch. And if you want to read, get a Kindle. <laughs> you know, and then all of those three <laughs> things are sorted. By the way, very annoying that, that I upgraded to the latest Kindle because they've got night mode. But I mean, these oh. companies, I don't know what they think night mode is, but it's so bright. You would definitely need your blue light blockers to actually look at it. 
Really? Okay, thanks for sharing that too. Yeah. So I love that you're yeah. constantly speaking to experts on, you know, I mean, I would say you're the ultimate biohacker. You have all the information. So what are the top five things that we should know that you've learned lately or that you just have incorporated in your life and you know to be true about healthy living? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that is so funny about biohacking is it's really as much as possible trying to live a bit more ancestrally and a bit more primarily. And then when that isn't available, perhaps using technology to help you get into that state. So, for example, in the middle of winter in the UK, there's not very much good light. So you might use some red light devices or infrared light devices to help with that. But as you know, but I might not have mentioned on this podcast, I've just moved to Portugal. It's very exciting. We've decided to relocate here for a while at least. And waking up naturally, the first light that you focus on is natural, not artificial. Being able to switch your senses on and giving your brain a bit of space in the morning to adjust to the start of the day. Of course, all of that comes when you've left your phone out of the room. Because I saw on your Instagram recently, 68% of people take their phone to bed with them. What are they doing first thing in the morning? They're looking at their phone. And so it sets up the day the wrong way. And this morning, I was lucky enough to drop my son off at school and then go to the beach and have a 10-minute dip, a 10-minute dunk in the water and a little walk along the beach. And the quality of the light, grounding, getting outside, natural light comes first. And all the research backing that up, saying, you know, a bright light, proper exposure in the morning is just so good for your circadian rhythm. Sort of bears that out. So, yeah. Good light, eating at appropriate times of the day, not eating too late, I found really helps my circadian rhythm. And then sort of trying to live as ancestrally as possible, I think, really helps. Well, I know you talk a lot, though, to people about supplements. And like you said about the red light, what's the best practices for those who don't live in in a climate where the light's bright in the morning or where they're getting enough sunlight? Tell me a little bit more about the infrared and the red light. I think it is, you know, really interesting how you can use technology to mimic natural exposure. For example, red light and infrared light devices are brilliant for mood, potentially for sleep as well, for skin, for inflammation. We've got about five or six in the house. I'm just looking around to see if there's any near me now. I've got one, I mean, one incredible device that I started using. I had a sinus infection and I just couldn't shake it off. I'd never had a sinus infection before August and I, and I got this sinus infection. I tried everything. I tried all these sprays, tried every biohack known to man, every supplement, nothing worked. And then I thought, hang on, I do believe in the power of light because, you know, I mean, hundred years ago when people got ill in Europe, they got sent to these sanatoriums and they would basically get put on a very old fashioned cable car up to the top of the mountain. And in summer, they would spend as much time as possible outside in, in sunlight to heal and in winter there'd be apparently the the sun and the uv is 25 percent stronger at the top of the mountain literally because he's closer Mm -hmm. to the sun so the moment they got up they would be wheeled outside in their coat to get as much sun as possible so we forget the healing power of light and i bought this 10 pounds device so sort of 12 or 13 (laughs) dollars which has two prongs and goes up the nose like that and is, really? um shines these red lights up the nose. And I swear it is, it's like a miracle device. If I ever feel now that I'm blocked up or a little bit stuffy in the nose, I stick that up there for about six minutes at night. And it's amazing. It's actually backed by science as well. So this is a great little cheap hack that doesn't cost very much. Thank you for sharing that because we're coming into winter. And that's yeah. going to be a common problem, a sinus infection. Okay, so will you link us to that? Yeah, I'll send you that. And the the science, interestingly, the science shows on that device that short term, it does increase the, uh, open the size of the airwaves in the nose and help with your sinuses. Now, the science showed that long term, there isn't much impact from using this device. But I found there was because with a sinus infection, if you're opening up the airways and you're getting air up there, then the infection that was previously blocked can heal itself and come out. Right. So I found it worked short-term and long-term. But actually, it's funny you say that because I've just, here in Portugal, I've just joined a new co-workspace and someone came in and was very sniffly last week and sitting next to me. 
And I sort of thought, oh, here we go. Uh, and then a couple of days later, I felt sniffly as well. So I've been using it this week and I think it's great. Good. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Yeah. So that's some red yeah. light. And then you gave us two tips. What's the third? Yeah. Oh, just one more thing on the red light. My wife absolutely okay. swears by a, a face mask. So that is, she uh -huh. basically looks like Phantom of the Opera and it's made by Cure, Q-U-R-E. And it's got red light, infrared light, and it's also got a blue light mode as well. And okay. um, this thing used to cost about $50 a session. You'd have to go to Selfridges in London to go and get it done. And now you can just buy mm -hmm. a mask and get it done for you. And it works great. Yeah. Okay. I've got a couple more for you. I have been taking okay. a new supplement that is so new and so cutting edge that I'm happy to say that nearly everyone I know in this world hasn't heard of it, which is very exciting. And it has totally revolutionized my gut. I've had real problems with my gut over the last 15, 20 years, which has probably motivated me to get so involved in all this stuff. And it's taken a long time to figure out what's been going on. Turned out behind the scenes, there was some previous mold exposure going on, and that's quite hard to sort out. But one yes. of the things that's made a massive difference is this thing called SPM, Specialized Pro-Resolved Mediators. And these are, have you heard of them? I've been taking them for probably 10 years. <laughs> no, you yes. have not. I will grab a bottle and I will show you. Yes, my husband is a wow. huge fan of SPMs. I believe ours are made by Metagenics. Is that the one that you're using? Right. That one is hard to get in the UK, so I get a different brand. But honestly, okay. August, I'm so impressed because I go to various biohacking summits and conferences. And I went to one a couple of months ago and I was asking everybody about it. And no one has heard of it apart from me. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah well, like you. I make it a point to just stay on top of what everyone's doing and, and what supplements do. And I really do not take very many, but I did try your magnesium and I did try your NAD, the mm. natural supplement that you recommended. Yeah. You had someone on your podcast. Mm. It's a precursor. Yeah. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I tried a couple of bottles and, you know, I really couldn't tell a difference, but with the SPMs, Absolutely. And I don't oh use them every yeah. day. My husband takes maybe five or six a day. Whereas I take, wow. I just, I don't, the way that I like to take supplements is when I feel that I really need them. I really love to listen mm. to my body. And so mm. if I feel like I've got a lot of inflammation, if I feel like my muscles are aching more than they should be after a workout, then I'll hit a few SPMs. But other than that, I don't. So tell me, how do you use the SPMs? Well, the SPMs, are basically omega-3s are, mm -hmm. we know, very good for inflammation, for longevity, and everything else. But some people react not particularly nicely to omega-3s, and I'm sensitive to histamine, and omega-3s tend to come from fish oil or algae, both of which is high in histamine. But SPMs are a sort of, it's a bit like the relationship between coconut oil and MCT oil. It's fractionated. So they are what omega-3 turns into in the body. And a few years ago, a talented professor found out the way to do this before you take the capsule, which means you're only getting the good stuff. And the difference is, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, but normally when you open a bottle of omega-3 capsules, you can smell the fish, right? But with SPMs, Holy. you open the bottle and it's this beautiful sort of sweet scent. I don't know what it they've is. done to it, but it just smells That's amazing. Right. It does. Yeah. I mean, I was interested in taking them for inflammation. You know, I mean, I occasionally get sore knees or sore joints not too exactly. bad but occasionally mm -hmm. and I didn't find there was any impact in that whatsoever but what I did oh. find is that my gut has just been so much better since I've been taking them my stomach is way more resilient and I can eat way more foods and I have less reactions and I feel like it's just a bit more bulletproof than it used to be and I put it all down to that that's so good to hear now I found with the natural mm. omegas they do affect my stomach. They do. Oh my gosh. They're so hard to take because, you know, you feel them all day, right? And so I think that yeah. the difference is with the SPMs, you just don't feel it at all. But I didn't know it was healing the gut. Probably it is. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because I was taking it for inflammation, mm -hmm. but actually what's been going on in my gut our last 20 years and what is going on in most people's guts when they've got gut tissues, and that is inflammation. 
Therefore, it's working in the place I wanted it to work most of all. I'm so excited by it and I'm really surprised that it's not a big area. I mean, as you'll know, August, it's very expensive. You're going to have to yes. sell a lot of products on your site to pay for a <laughs> bottle of SPMs. <laughs> but we're so worth it, right? <laughs> yeah, we're worth Believe it. Me, we are definitely every worth once, it. Every once in a while, there's a sale and we stock yeah. up. I mean, we've been taking them a long time. So, and I'm going to grab you a bottle so I can show you, but it's true. We just, amazing. We just yeah. love them. Right. I think it was a dentist originally that told us about them. One of our dentists, because I see biological dentists, you know, as I'm sure you do too. Okay. So now we've got a supplement. Thank you for sharing that. What's one more hack? One of your favorites. Yeah. Let me think. I guess, you know, there's a lot of NLP techniques that I use in my day-to-day life. You have a whole course. This is so yeah. cool because I want you to know that way, way back at the beginning when NLP first started, and this was like early 80s, okay, I did yeah. take an NLP course, but it was difficult. It was difficult to remember, like looking up means you're visualizing. Is that right? Looking yeah, down means it. something yeah. else. It yeah. was fascinating, but hard to remember to incorporate into my life. So I, mm. I see that you have a video course, and I know you're such a great presenter and you're such a great teacher that you're, if I take that course, it's probably going to be a lot easier for me to incorporate into my life. And I thought NLP was mostly for communication, but you're telling us just in your intro that NLP is great for motivation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, thank you for your enthusiasm. That's so sweet of you. Uh, and um, yeah, I don't have a course yet. I'm working on the course. I do have okay. the world's, I think, second or third best-selling book on NLP, which is nice. And I sort of thought, well, it's mad that I'm selling these books, but I haven't got a course on it. So I'm putting the course together at the moment. And it's combining NLP and health, really. And one of the things that we use in NLP is pattern interrupts. So that is when you're doing something and then you are interrupted often abruptly by something completely different and patterning interrupts it's very important to know about them because they can help us a lot in our lives but they can also be very destructive and distracting and that's why I love talking to you because of course the greatest pattern interrupt that is distracting all of us right now is when we get interrupted by our phones and we know when we're trying to work on something, I mean, deep work is so important for me. If I haven't switched all my notifications off and something comes in, it takes me so long to refocus from that notification into what I was actually doing. That's a pattern interrupt. So being aware of how important and how difficult it is to get back into what you were doing is good in terms of knowing how to mitigate pattern interrupts, but also we can use pattern interrupts to our advantage. So for example, if you're someone who worries about your health or you're anxious about anything really, you just suffer from anxiety or stress or low mood, and you tend to dwell on this, you can use pattern interrupts to your advantage. So just like the notifications distract you, when you start to dwell on the negatives, you literally say to yourself, stop. You might even do a movement at the same time, although that would look weird if you're on the bus or something like that. And then you say something else instead. So you say how you would like to feel. So I might say, if I'm dwelling, I tend to dwell on things. And that's why I think about this stuff a lot. But if I'm dwelling on, I don't know, a symptom or something like that, and I keep thinking about it, I will say, stop. I choose to live in the moment and accept. And then I move on. And when I first learned about this, it was when I was suffering from burnout. And I actually spent three months in bed off work, not able to do my TV job. It was a pretty wow. dark time. And I already knew about pattern interrupts because I'd already trained in NLP at that point. But it was a friend of mine who said, have you thought about using pattern interrupts to try and help you get back to full health? And I must, I'm almost ashamed to admit that I was using these pattern interrupts multiple times every minute. I was so dwelling on my health. I was so stuck in my fight or flight nervous system. I found it so hard to just sort of calm down I was just struggling to heal because I wouldn't allow my body to get into that right sort of state of mind. So I find this really helpful to just every time you're dwelling on something negative, stop and then give yourself a positive suggestion instead. And, and that's a pattern interrupt. That is so cool. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's a very common reaction when we find out we have some state of disease, can be anything, that 
someone tells us we're going to have the rest of our life. That's so scary. And that's why I say how much I'm against electromagnetic field exposure, but fear is worse. And so what you're doing is showing us how to interrupt the fear and change it. Yeah. And, you know, I've thought about this stuff a lot because it's just so happened that a lot of people come to me who are struggling with their health. So obviously I'm trained in NLP and I've got a podcast about health. So it's natural those two things should converge. And sometimes they're just like me and they're a bit paranoid about their health and they always have been and they have to work very hard on sorting that out, which is why I've learned all this stuff in the first place. But some people are suffering from cancer, for example. And then, you know, then this stuff is really important because they can Mm -hmm. quite justifiably say, well, it's easy for you to say, mate, but, you know, I've got cancer. So how's this going to help just getting my head in the right space? And of course, there are so many studies about the parasympathetic nervous system and how important it is to dampen down your fight or flight response and how the body cannot heal properly when metaphorically you think you're going to get attacked by the lion. It's even more important to work on this stuff. So the old adage of, you know, meditating 10 minutes a day, whatever. And then if you really need it, meditating 20 minutes a day, <laughs> you know, that, that is all the more important when it comes to your health. And if you are suffering from serious health issues, firstly, it's coming up with an appropriate outcome. So how would you like to feel and, and where would you like to be with your health? Allowing for the fact that everybody is different. There's no one size fits all approach. And then really trying to work with them to dampen down that nervous system and calm down. And I, I do really like the pattern interrupt for that. And when we do the pattern interrupt, we should already have waiting that positive message that we want to give ourselves, right? So we should spend some time preparing for that. Yeah. And I, I mean, to be honest, I just tell people the message because I find it easier. You know, sometimes people just want me to help them. They can come up yes. with their own message. But I say, look, how about this? I choose to flow from moment to moment and accept because acceptance is almost like the opposite of control. And I think that's really important when it comes to health. And, you know, we all think that maybe not all of us, but a lot of us in this world are very type A and high achievers. And the truth is that overthinking isn't a superpower. We can think about our health as much as we like and worry about it as much as we like. But at a certain point, it's not going to give us extra superpowers to solve that health problem. Therefore, having that alternative suggestion, I choose to flow from moment to moment and accept works beautifully. I love that. Thank you for sharing it. You've probably heard me talking about tapping and energy psychology before, Mm -hmm. but I trained in NLP almost 20 years ago and I trained to the highest level that you can train in. Then When I got ill, as I said to you, I spent three months in bed and I did a bit of Googling and I found an expert in London who specialized in NLP, great, and energy psychology. And I was like, I'm not really into all that woo stuff, but I am ill, so I need to go and see someone and he might be able to help. And he was a specialist in emotional freedom therapy and tapping. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you the difference it made to me. You know, within about 10 minutes, I was in floods of tears. And somewhere in the recesses of my brain, I knew it was going to be okay and I was going to get back to full health. He had an amazing effect on me. And I ended up seeing him for a few years. And I think I've had him on my podcast once. And I think I must have got him so many clients from that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like half my friends have been to see him, let let alone everyone else. But what energy psychology is and what emotional freedom therapy is, is tapping. And I eventually trained in that as well, not to the highest level, but I trained to level two or level three. And really you are tapping on acupressure points around the body to connect with emotion and then release it. Yeah. I'm very, that's it. And August, I'm very British. I like to uh, pretend everything's fine (laughs) and get on with life. (laughs) And that's not a very good way to deal with tough emotions. You're much better really connecting with that emotion because that allows you to release it. And that's what EFT does. So yeah, it's uh, it's tapping on various parts of the face and body and connecting with the emotion while you do it. Do you want to take us through a very quick tapping sequence? Because for years, I'd heard people talking about it. I did actually buy years ago. Did you know that Dr. Mercola had a 12 CD set on tapping? 
And so I didn't. I, yes. And I wow. bought all of them. Yes. And it was, and so I learned all about tapping, but really when it comes down to it, there are some very simple tapping sequences, just like you gave us the reset with NLP. Do you want to give us a mm. quick, take me through a tapping sequence? You know, essentially what you want to do is you want to think about emotion that is, let's not pick, you know, the world's biggest trauma right now. If you're listening along or you're watching along, pick something that is bothering you a little bit and connect with that emotion. So firstly, you might tap on your karate chop point here and just say, even though I'm feeling however I'm feeling, so let's say you're feeling stressed, even though I'm feeling stressed, I deeply love and accept myself. And you would say that three times, just tapping on the karate chop point. And sometimes, believe it or not, that's enough. And I know there's a lot of people probably listening or watching to this now saying, are you actually having a laugh? <laughs> <laughs> try but, it uh, with us, please. Yeah, try it with us because it's worth trying. <laughs> even though and, I'm and stressed. <laughs> I yeah, love even and though I'm stressed, myself. I deeply love and accept myself. And just carry on tapping on the karate chop point while I just tell you that my son has started a new school here in Portugal and he's loving it. He just doesn't like the drop off. When I drop him off at school at the moment, it's his new school and he doesn't like it. And he said to me this morning, he said, daddy, can you do some tapping on me before I go in? Oh. So I got into the back seat of the car with him and I did some tapping on him <laughs> and he was stressed and he was feeling, he said, even though I'm feeling sad, I deeply love and accept myself. He's four. <laughs> yeah. I know. Poor boy. So we're going to see him after this and hopefully he'll be happier he was than when he was at 9.15 this morning. So the whole point is we are connecting with the emotion to release it. We're not denying this emotion. We're trying to connect with it. So while you think about how stressed you're feeling, start tapping on these points. At the top of the eyebrow, where it meets the nose. At the side of the eyebrow. And keep tapping and thinking about that stress. And now underneath the eye, and now between the nose and the mouth. And now below the mouth. And then on the collarbone, give it a nice resonant tap. That's my favorite spot to tap. Yeah, and then under the it. armpit. And then on the top of the head. All the while thinking about how stressed you are. And you, you might even say when you do each one, feeling stressed. That is the essential tapping routine. I tend to like doing a few rounds of that along with how you would like to feel. So with my son this morning, I said, how would you like to feel? And he said, happy. So we did that. And actually, it's funny because while I was tapping with him, he said, I'm feeling sad. And I did the first three points and he, he really did look very sad. And I did the fourth point uh, above the mouth. He still says sad. And then below the mouth, he started to smile. And then I was tapping on his collarbone and he burst out laughing. And I was like, hang on, mate, you're supposed to be feeling sad here. <laughs> At that point, I knew something was working. <laughs> oh, that's just such a beautiful story. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for oh, sharing that you. with us. Because so many people, I think, are intrigued. We hear about tapping. We see other people tapping. Thank you. I hope that everyone will rewind that and just try it and then save it. And then maybe even videotape yourself doing it so you can remember. Because I believe it really works, too. I do. Thank you. I do. It's really amazing. And I don't think that I've got any special powers in it, but I notice when I do it on other people, even my wife as well, and my son, I do notice that it works very well on them. So, yeah. Great. Okay. Well, we've covered so much. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of these amazing things that you've learned. One thing that I hear in the open to your podcast is that you got sick in the jungle. Do you want to share yeah. more about that? I've always been curious. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, so that's what I was referring to when I was saying that I had three months off work, but I went and got a virus in the jungle and then it was pretty terrible actually because I came back, I went to the doctor in the Philippines and he said, I think you've got measles. And I was sort of thinking, I don't think I have measles actually. I came back, recovered, and I thought it was all gone and then fell into this terrible slump and had these few months in bed and I think what made it a lot worse was that my head was just in the wrong place you can't deny physical symptoms mm -hmm. and one of the really hard things for me to accept was the fact that part of what was going on with me physically was caused by the way that I was thinking it wasn't all of it but it was part of it it took about a year to get back to full health 
And, you know, if you were to ask me for one more hack or thing that I've been focusing on in terms of health recently, more recently, I've realized that a lot of the issues that I've suffered with over the years have been down to previous mold exposure. And so many of us are suffering with this. You know, I mean, for example, I am so sensitive to mold, I can walk into a room and I will know almost straight away, I can smell stuff that other people just can't smell. And I'll know after one night of sleeping in it, if I'm not feeling right, my eyes go slightly blurry, my stomach will hurt a little bit. Yeah, I'm just very sensitive to it. And it makes living in places quite challenging sometimes. But I think if you can get the mold sorted, you know, firstly, remove the mold exposure, and then start to detox from the mold, that can be the cause of a lot of physical health symptoms for a lot of people. And that's something I'm working on a lot at the moment. It's connected to histamine and you have that wonderful mm. histamine site, right? Yes. Yeah, so I do. I think, yeah, that's my side project. Do you think the mold caused the histamine issues? Yes. So I discovered that I had histamine intolerance a few years ago, quite a few years ago now. And that I felt like I'd unlocked the secret to my health issues for years I would go out and have a couple of drinks and the next day they would all be fine. All my friends would be fine and I would feel terrible. And I was like, why am I feeling so much worse than everybody else? And it turned out to be histamine intolerance. And that changed my life, discovering histamine intolerance. And I was lucky to work with some good doctors that, you know, as, as you say, I've had some great people on my podcast and I was able to tap them up for all their knowledge and start working with a couple of them. And they said to me, when you've got histamine intolerance, it's not just you've got that and that's the end of it. There's an underlying reason why you've got histamine intolerance, and that's what we need to work out. So with some great testing, I did the Great Plains mycotoxins test, which eventually revealed that my mycotoxins levels were very high, um, aflatoxin and okratoxin mm. A or B, I think. And mm -hmm. those come from black mold exposure, unfortunately, which means at some point in the past, I lived in Italy for a while, August, and I lived in old, damp, dark, very old buildings in Florence. So I think it was probably that. But it means that whenever I'm exposed to mold now, I don't feel great. And even when I'm not exposed to mold, there needs to be some detox going on. And you know, that and EMF sensitivity go hand in hand as well. And Do uh, they? Oh yeah, because there's a study that shows how EMF exposure can cause mold to grow further. It just makes sense, right? Mm. So- yeah. I think that we need to focus more on mold prevention. And I think that we need to tell people that this is just increasing exponentially because, of course, places are becoming more damp. We're having more rain worldwide. And that's the number one thing that starts the mold is leaving a damp space damp where the mold can grow. And it usually hides so you can't see it. But people like you can smell it. And we also have tools that we can put something up against the wall and find out if it's damp behind it. And that might yeah. be a source of mold. But I think we have to be really aware that when we walk into a space that smells musty, right? Mm. It often is mold. I mean, you know, we've all gone to a lot of old places, like you were saying, Italy, Venice. Oh my gosh, that's just, oh, yeah, oh, I know. Right? So scary. And yeah. you can smell as you walk into the lower floors, like, whoa, it smells musty. Okay. Well, that must is really indicating mold. And I think we have to be very cautious now that we know the incredible difficulty of getting rid of mold. So much yeah. of it stays with you, right? It, it's a long time to get rid of that mold in your body. Oh, it does. Yeah. I mean, it, the um, I've got one of those damp meters for the wall and I've also got something Every time I use it, I think, oh, I'm not sure if August would like this or not. It's an air quality monitor. But unfortunately, the way it works is a tiny little thing, but it sends a signal to my phone to tell me what's going on with the air quality. So it's another thing plugged into the Wi-Fi, which is not good. And doesn't it? I bought one once to show the EMF of that. And I yeah. remember that it also plugs into the wall, right? And then it has a Wi-Fi and Bluetooth element in it, correct? Mm. Have you tried yeah. turning off the Bluetooth in it? Can Is there any way to connect with it? Because the first one that I bought also had the readout actually on the device itself. Is that, they're that not making those anymore? I've still got my iPhone 11, which I was very pleased to know <laughs> that I haven't upgraded. But I was looking at your Instagram, I was like, yes, I don't have an iPhone 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 or 25 or whatever it's up to now. 
But just remind me, August, why is mold and EMF linked again? Because that bit because I, I didn't quite get, but I'm fascinated by. There's a study, and I will link it, that was done specifically on bacteria and mold, showing that it can increase the mold growth. EMF exposure wow. can increase mold growth. Well, if it can increase bacteria, you know, it probably can increase mold growth too. And they're not sure exactly why, but they do show the link. So, you know, just one more reason to be aware of mold, be aware of EMF. You don't want to have fear about either one of them. But if we know, then we can make better decisions to avoid it or to take care of it. A lot of times, especially in apartments, people just paint over it, right? I had Ryan from Test My Home, who's a building biologist. You know, they're very popular Mm. here in America. You can have a whole list of building biologist consultants that I love, and they will come to your home and they will assess it for EMF exposure and also mold and air quality and water quality. And he said, because I said, oh, you know, what's the difference between mold and mildew? And he said, there's no difference. There's really no such thing as mildew. It's just a marketing Mm. term. If you have any dark spots in your shower, that's mold. Take care of it. Get rid of it immediately because it only grows and it gets worse. And like you said, black mold is by far the worst. And that typically happens in an area inside the wall, under the stucco, but before the wood. And so you won't even know it's there, but you can smell it first. And I love that damp meter that you have. I think everyone should have one and just take it if you're in a hotel or in your home and just scan the walls. How many times has it helped you find mold? Well, this is the interesting thing because it doesn't. It hasn't really helped me find mold, but it's helped me really? find a potential problem. <laughs> good, because good. if you hold it to the wall and it says 50% damp, you think, I'm not sure what's behind this. As you say, might have just been right. painted over, but that's right. not a great sign. And that's exactly. one of the interesting things about moving to Portugal. You know, Portugal is, doesn't feel like a particularly damp country, but the humidity is very high here. So only a couple of hours ago, I was buying a dehumidifier for my flat for, the, for precisely this reason. And we have one now too in Dallas. And Do you? actually, just like the meter that measures the air quality in the room, every time we turn it on, it shows us the humidity level in our home, which mm. you, you never think about, right? But we start no. with, you know, we'll turn on and it'll say 70% humidity. And you're like, what? And we try to yeah. get it down to 20, 30%. Wow. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's pretty low, isn't it? Right. Well, this is a huge machine that I have to stay far away Great. from because of course, when it's got so much power with it, just like a fan, just like a refrigerator, you know, it has the magnetic EMF and you just don't want to be mm-hmm. too close to it. So you stay a couple yeah. feet away. You don't put it next to the bed. So yeah. anyway, yeah. you know, we've moved into this place in Portugal and I could tell straight away it's not awful, but there's just some sort of issue going on. And one of the things I've learned is that one place that mold can lurk and it causes a huge amount of problems is in air conditioning units. And that is, I think it's because of the moisture that gathers inside these units and then they don't get clean. And so the, what you think they're doing is cooling it down and actually reducing the humidity in the room, but actually they're just spewing out mold. And I've found that my HRV, going back to the Ura ring, is a lot higher when I don't use the AC in this room that I'm talking in now, actually. So that may be where it's, where it's lurking in this flat. So do you have one of those like window units that your air conditioner? It's, can you, yeah. I mean, or is it a forced air like unit? built that, into the wall. Okay. It's a proper installed unit. So it'll go, so it's above the door and then it just goes out of the house. Yeah. Right. Those are really common yeah. in Europe. And when I travel, I see those everywhere. And I always right. look inside, I peer inside to see if it's clean. So have you cleaned it? Yeah. I haven't cleaned yeah. it myself, but of course, that this is the other thing about mold. It's not a great idea to be cleaning it yourself. <laughs> nope. Not without a mask no. and goggles and, no. oh yeah. And once, and here's another thing. Yeah. Once you realize that there was an exposure in your home, you literally have to just throw everything away because it stays on paper. It stays in the environment. Have you had that kind of an exposure? I have read about this. There is some debate over whether that's actually true or not. 
And I mean, it, to, to be honest, it goes back to what we were saying before about acceptance, because I, you know, people are so badly affected by mold, it ruins their lives and their health. But to have to start again with all of your possessions every time you find mold in a house is completely soul destroying. And some people in the mold world, and there is a mold world, don't actually think you have to throw everything out. But I certainly haven't done that. And I'm hoping that I won't ever have to do that. Now, this is, I'll just tell you the quick story of why I said that. My daughter had an intense exposure, intense, in an apartment that she was renting. And it was so crazy that I went and visited her. And I said, oh my gosh, the shower, it's so dirty. She goes, mom, I just cleaned it yesterday. I'm like, wow, that's weird. And then I stepped on the floor and it was dirty and I cleaned it up. And after I cleaned it, I stepped on it again. And I'm like, whoa, that's so weird. Well, guess what? The entire foundation was moldy. And so when you step on the tile in between the grout, the mold uh, moisture would pop up. And we didn't understand mold. This was years ago. We didn't understand what it was. And then finally, she became very ill. My husband went up to see what was going on and said, oh my gosh, you guys, there's mold all over this house. Got to get her out. It affected her dog. It affected her. And because the exposure was so intense, can you imagine that? I mean, it was permeating the entire house. Oh, it was awful. And so, of course- those spores got into everything she owned. So we didn't have to throw away any metal. The plastic, not as much. But anything that was paper or cloth, we couldn't wash it away, even with wow. all of these mold purifiers. And so that you add to detergents and you know mm. clean everything. And so mm. she can actually still to this day, if there's something old that she hasn't gotten rid of, put on an old sweater or an old you know T-shirt and immediately her skin will show her that there's mold on it by the way it reacts. Wow. She'll just get inflamed. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank goodness she's out of there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's been a few years to detox. You know, it takes a while. She's tried everything. She's used all the binders and, you know, it's very sad, but I'm glad we're talking about it because we can help other people prevent it, you know, to really Mm. notice that exposure and just like, walk the other way because I'm not sure, but it feels like EMF as well, you know, where it's accumulative. And so maybe one exposure is just slight and the other one is intense, but the longer you stay in it, probably the worse it gets. I'm not really sure. I don't know a ton about mold. I just have seen my daughter's reaction to it. I heard you say something like you're writing another book on the podcast last week. It was yes. that an older yeah. podcast or no, it's not an older podcast. I am always writing books. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and um because I was a TV presenter for 15 years and I always had this stuff going on the side. So whenever you came on my podcast, that was my one day of the week when I wasn't working in TV. And then because I enjoy this stuff so much, I thought I'm gonna write and podcast and do health stuff full time and leave the TV job. And since then it's just been brilliant. You know, I mean, my company has around 25 health books out and obviously a few of those are mine and as you said the histamine intolerance stuff has been great fun and has resonated with people so much and a lot of the people who get in touch with histamine intolerance think that mold is an issue for them as well so i was inspired to write a book about histamine intolerance and this has been a very challenging one to write and i've had to work with some of the best editors in the uk actually just because when you're writing about something so important to people and so integral to people and just anything health related you want to make sure you get all your facts very right and so i've been using expert level fact checkers and then brilliant editors to make sure that this is a good book so that's what i've been working on and that'll be coming out in the next couple of months i look forward to it because i do love thank your you. site too histamine intolerance oh, thank the you. site yeah. yeah you're doing a great job and i think that intense desire to quote the facts and make sure that we're right comes from the fact that you were a TV presenter, right? You're a journalist at heart, right? I mean, being a journalist is about, firstly, about getting the facts right, but also telling the story to actually engage people. And so I feel like, yeah, I feel very lucky that I've had that background of working as a journalist and a presenter way before social media existed, but now being able to sort of tell a story and and craft a tale. And it's rigorous training, isn't it? I never worked so hard as when I was a journalist. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started out, I didn't study journalism at university, but my first job was as a journalist. And I was working for probably the biggest commercial newsroom in the country. And it was all overnights. <laughs> so at four o'clock in the morning, my circadian rhythm was shot to bits. I was having my nice. lunch at four o'clock in the morning and working all night, but learning how to do it. Do you think you'll ever go back to it? I just love what I'm doing now. You know, I'm still doing some TV presenting and I do voiceovers and I can do them all from Portugal. So mm -hmm. I'm still doing some stuff, but I, I occasionally get asked to host events. And if I got offered something exciting, then I would do it. But I'm not going to stop doing what I do now because it's too fun. Oh, congratulations, Tony. It's a great life and you're doing great things. And I appreciate the time that you spent with us today. Oh, thank you. And, and I'm so pleased I've got an iPhone 11 after having looked at your Instagram today. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. I hope you loved it. If you do like what you've heard, leave us a review and subscribe to the show. For more tools and information to help you achieve mindful living in a digital world and navigate those tech toxins, follow Tech Wellness on all the usual social media channels and head over to techwellness.com for resources, videos, solutions, and so much more. I'm August Bryce. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be well.